Hello and welcome to the first bonus episode of Screen Looking, a podcast where close friends take a closer look at their favorite video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar, and today's episode is more of an interlude for what's to come or the future of the show. We have some fun ideas and a special announcement, all of which we'll be sharing in just a few moments here. Uh, Really what we're here to do today is to take a moment to more informally introduce ourselves and just have a candid conversation about why we're still so interested in games as adults. You know, we don't get so many chances to just freely discuss what our tastes are, how those things have changed over the years, etc. And in addition to all that, I'm excited to share some ideas around ways we plan to evolve the show. And I would love to hear your feedback on those ideas if you're out there listening. So, as always, uh, the topic today is video games, but instead we'll be talking about them as a whole, more generally speaking, and not any one game in particular like we normally do. And the reason for that is because today I do not have a guest with me, but instead I have a permanent co-host seat, which is now and perhaps forever occupied by my best friends in second grade, recurring friend of the show, and uh, overall delightful human being, Alex Koval. Alex, every good pilot needs a great co-pilot, and uh, I'm very excited to have you on. Welcome welcome to the show forever. <laughs> you can never leave. <laughs> well, first, I want to say thank you for having me and allowing me to be a part of this podcast. It's been really awesome to be a guest speaker and... I am very excited to, you know, for, help forge the path ahead with the uh, project and the episodes and just chat games because it's one of my favorite things. So, and um, to all the listeners out there, salutations, fellow gamers. And uh, yeah, stay a while and listen. We have a lot of good things coming up. Yeah. You enjoying this music? I love the music, as a matter of fact. Well, it's going to end soon, so don't get used to it. This is a one. This is a one-time thing. We're only doing this for you, Alex. So I I appreciate that. Yeah. So, anyways, well, it's, that's it's that. essentially the, the gamer equivalent of rolling out the red carpet. Yeah, it it definitely is. That's that's what it is right there. I'm really genuinely psyched to have you on for this because video games have been they've been like such a crucial part of our friendship since we grew up together. <laughs> um, what's the no? I mean, you're right. I, mean, I remember like playing. Final Fantasy Seven on on our PlayStation and play Tekken Three like in your bedroom at your parents' house during your birthday party and memories go many, memories run pretty deep. I remember Legend of Dragoon. I remember Legend that one. Legend of Dragoon, man, trying to get those all nighters. We oh, used yeah. to piss off my parents. Dad, I hope you're not listening, but I'm pretty sure you almost murdered us once because we uh, tried to make some cinnamon roll that did not go over well. <laughs> yeah, it was like and I have Legend of Dragoon. To thank for almost getting murdered. Yeah, it was like three in the morning, right? Or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, why don't you kick things off and talk a little bit about what you were into, uh, the way you play games now, um, why that changed, um, what's what's kept you interested in them? Because I think we all kind of have those lapses where we, we kind of get sick of them or we don't have time anymore, but we still find our way back to talking about them eventually. Yeah, so uh, basically before I kind of go into that i just a little diatribe um yeah i was at work one day talking to a friend um person i had just recently become friends with and we were talking about our mutual love of video games and 
we started talking and we realized we had like the exact same taste in video games, just, um, you know, a lot of games that were sort of fantasy RPG or dark fantasy games, games with sort of horror leanings that set a heavy atmosphere and had like a pretty immersive uh, tone or story. Um, a couple days later, we ended up in this training session that was a sort of personality profile session. Mm. And we had almost the exact same personality type. Uh, our our percentages were pretty much the same across the board. Um, and I never really thought about that where, you know, a person's personality could actually heavily influence the sorts of games they play. And so I thought a little bit more about that. And I know my sort of uh, Myers-Briggs personality type, if anybody out there is familiar with the Myers-Briggs, is just a pretty in-depth uh, personality profile and um you know it's got a lot of credibility in the last couple of years but um if you go to 16personalities.com you can do kind of a profile on yourself but anyways it was interesting to read my personality profile and then kind of think about the sorts of games that i like because you know it, i found them to be very in line they're games that are oftentimes uh, concerned with telling sort of human stories or, you know, games that have a very clear sort of narrative arc. And it was never really interested in like very strict puzzle games or, um, you know, sports games that just have like very specific sets of rules where, you know, you're kind of almost reacting on the fly, you know, immediately to sort of stimuli. Yeah, I would say a lot of the games that I play tend to be sort of RPG esque games or adventure sort of platformer games. My favorite game is, you know, listeners of the show, if they've heard me talk at all, of course, is Resident Evil Remake. You know, I think in a lot of ways that game tells a very, uh, you know, campy story, but I think it's a story with high stakes with characters that are easy to relate to and especially easy to relate to given the circumstances of being lost in an unfamiliar area. Um, I think it's a very emotionally immersive game. And, um, you know, definitely sets a sort of mood that you kind of have to sink into in order to enjoy the experience. Final Fantasy Tactics is sort of similar where it's this mm -hmm. sort of Shakespearean uh, fantasy RPG with these interweaving plot points and this uh, sort of tale of intrigue and betrayal and political plotting. And it's very tactical, you know, sort of hyper tactical, very heavy rule set, um, fantasy based gameplay um but i thought that the uh story underpinning it was just so incredible and immersive and enjoyable to to sort of keep up with that um yeah i think you know it's just one of my it remains one of my favorite games i still play it from time to time the last really big game that i sunk ridiculous amounts of hours into was skyrim which you know knowing my love of types of games isn't really surprising mm -hmm. um other games i've played recently darks uh darkest dungeon which is sort of a roguelike um lovecraftian party-based game which is pretty cool uh kind of like dungeons and dragons -y sort of i guess you could say mm -hmm. amnesia the dark descent kentucky route zero grim fandango some old some older games but um I recently you know, played Grim Fandango are... too, as well, not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think funny. we played through it to like kind of parallel, right? Maybe, maybe we like just chatted about it because we both realized we were playing it around the same time. Was it when the remaster came out? Yeah, yeah, that was when I played it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so that's kind of a window into my personal favorites and sort of my, my, my trends. You know, I do like to get outside of my uh, comfort zone every once in a while and play games that are maybe first person shooters like Portal or, um, you know, System Shock, uh, games like that. But they do often tend to be more story based games. You know, I'm not really as big into the sort of just run and gun, like, you know, competitive play. I, I need something kind of underpinning it to make it mm-hmm. worth it for me. I feel like there's a lot of crossover uh, between what you just said and a lot of the games that I'm still affected by. Um, But at the same time, I feel like over the years, there's like also a clear distinction between the kinds of games that you'll introduce me to and that I'll introduce you to. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you, you lean a little harder than I do into strategy aspects of games. I feel like with games like Final Fantasy Tactics, and like the puzzle aspects or like the deep cut aspects of Resident Evil or, yeah. um, you know, like with Bloodborne and like I've been playing uh, Sekiro for a lot. <laughs> I've been playing that game yeah. a lot lately and you've been coaching me on a lot of the, uh, the the From Software goodness. And I think there's there's like aspects of that game where you'll like you'll push me to go further into the systems of a game and like understand those nuanced mechanics. So I feel like sometimes I get the sense that you they're like you'll get pulled into the game through its atmosphere and its story but then when those gameplay systems get really really rich and deep you you dig pretty deep into that yeah that's a really good point and actually one that i wanted to bring up um you know talking about the personality types because part of my personality type um kind of revolves around the idea that i prefer structure and sort of a plan um and i don't really like sort of uh impulsivity or uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of funny that makes a lot of yeah, sense though because oh my God. yeah in terms yeah. of the games that i play you're right that they are strategic and they reward things that come naturally to me like planning like strategy and an understanding of the system underpinning the game um yeah, yeah. and that it's makes it, i mean like when you think of like resident evil you know you're counting your shots you're planning ahead you're thinking what could be behind this door? What should I take with me? With things like Baldur's Gate, you're like, you know, pausing and calculating cast times and calculating dice rolls. Um, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, you know, you have to have an understanding of how far your spells can reach and, you know, what, you know, the general idea of, you know, uh, will this spell do more damage to this monster because right. it's, you know, weak to fire or resistant to electricity or whatever. Um, so I do like those sorts of games that reward planning and precision and not so much the sort of, like what I was saying before, the run and gun games where yeah. most of your in, most of your choices are based on impulse. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like where the overlap is with what really like we both uh, almost always, there's things that we almost always 100% agree on. Like when a game is doing it well, we're like, yeah, that's the reason the game is sort of like holding itself together. That's what's bringing me back into it. But I feel like the point that we diverge is sort of really well highlighted in the games that From Software makes. Because I like to go into games and really just read what they're telling me. And I almost like really, really like chaos in games and just like complete, <laughs> co- complete lack of regard for what the game very specifically wants me to do. And I always like to just run with what a game is immediately presented me. I think I've become a little more impatient over the years with games and I try to just read them more literally of like what are they trying to tell me to do 
try to scan the scene and just go and achieve that goal and then get into the systems later. Um, and that's backfired in a lot of games that don't want you to do that. Like I, I don't want to, I don't mean to say that I like to rush through games or I, I don't, I'd agree that I don't like running gun games, but I think it also describes why I really enjoy games like Crash Bandicoot. That game, if you're not ready to just go for it and have that sort of twitch reactionary, like get into the rhythm of a game and really know that this feels like the right moment to do this thing versus like, I know I have to do this at three seconds in. I feel like I, I like games that indulge in that flow and feel, that natural element. I think that's why games like even as easy as they are because there's not really a fail state games like journey uh, really appeal to me because they really just pull you along and give you a few simple controls and you can just sort of play around and you just figure it out based on feel and not really overanalyzing it. Um, yeah. The games that are more intuitive maybe or. Yeah. And I think that gets into like, I, I really just have learned over the years to appreciate games that have great user experience design and really sort of intuit themselves what you're expecting of the game. I mean, that's a very abstract way to look at, at video games, but I think that's kind of maybe the the just the difference point of like what sometimes like I'll introduce you to games like that. Like I think I did introduce you to Kentucky Route Zero. Um, whereas in like yeah. uh Sekiro, you'll I'll be running up against a wall and something's really frustrating me, or I remember playing Final Fantasy Tactics and just being like, I'm stuck at this one battle, and you'll come in and be like, Oh no, you just gotta do this, this, and this thing and like focus on these elements. And then lo and behold, I'll try that for a while and then it works. And it's like, oh Alex was right. But then I'll kind of get a feel for the thing you were talking about and just kind of run with it in my own way. I only tend to plan in a game when it absolutely forces me to plan. And then yeah, I'll start see, to like for me, study like it. nothing feels better than when a system clicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even watching you play Sekiro, I like the the day I remember seeing you go from like being a, a like a noob scrub to being like <laughs> a fucking shinobi was just like it was rewarding for me. Like I felt so happy that you had achieved that. Yeah. <laughs> just like slicing up that centipede giraffe. I was like, he's got this. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, that was a very proud moment. Because I could, I could tell that you like were understanding the combat system in a way that like you had not previously understood it. And I remember mm -hmm. having that experience with Bloodborne. And once it clicks, like then you're free to actually enjoy the game on its own terms because you're like, you're learning the system that the game is trying to teach you by mm -hmm. killing you over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of new for me. So I, I do like when there's something about a game that's about to break me and I think I'm about to give up. And then there's some element that I'm just not used to and it, I get turned on to it. And now I feel like I've been turned on to an entirely new genre or subgenre that I wouldn't have tried before. But what really like drew me in was, was the same things like the environment, the atmosphere, the story. Those are the things that are still driving me through. And then now I'm starting to look forward to some of the boss battles that I've seen. And I'm starting to look forward to, revisiting some of them now that i understand them and they're they're much much easier so um yeah, yeah. going back real quickly <clears throat> to what you said you said you know we have certain games that kind of overlap and you kind of wondered what it might be that you know it, it that quality that those games have and i think like i think it might be that those games all share a sort of artistic consistency and integrity mm -hmm. where everything sort of ties together the music the gameplay the art direction um the story 
to create uh, an experience that is just, you know, rock solid. Yeah, I think that for me, like, the part of the reason that Resident Evil Remake is my favorite game is because it fires on all cylinders. It, there's nothing right. about it that betrays what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in terms of Bloodborne and Sekiro, games that we have just recently played and are enjoying, I think that From Software is an incredible, incredibly talented development company. And I think that part of the reason that they are so talented is because their games just have that rock solid consistency throughout. Right. Yeah, that makes me think of something. One of my my main points um, that really summarizes very broadly the kinds of games that I appreciate most today are games that have what is called ludonarrative harmony. The term that's thrown around a lot in game design circles is ludonarrative dissonance, which is the opposite of that. And that's just taking the word ludology or ludo, the root word of play, combining it with narrative uh, and just trying to find that where the systems of play and the narrative, the narrative structure have harmony or dissonance. So for instance, a game, an example of a game that maybe not a, a game title specifically, but an instance of a game that might have that that contrast is where if the game is asking you to perform tasks and goals and giving you ways to achieve those goals that are, say, just very random and arbitrary, like, okay, take this gun and shoot this thing and you get points. But then the story and what's going on in the world, it's, if it's trying to tell a story about, you know, maybe war or the, the effects of war or oppression, that it's always funny when games like that try to tell a compelling mature story but the systems are stock and immature maybe they're sophisticated from a gameplay like competitive perspective and that they're nuanced in that way but they kind of they're at odds with what the story is trying to tell um like maybe you're rewarded for say like killing people but then there's a story about like not killing people uh -huh. i think a lot of games do that you can probably think of a bunch off the top of your head and so there's always that like but you're asking me to do things that are like negatively judged in the world of the game the opposite of that harmony is when the game's systems and mechanics and the actions are asking you to perform weave really nicely into the game world they feel natural in the game world and the actions you take uh actually challenge the narrative and then the narrative elements actually challenge the actions you're taking so uh do you think there are any good examples of games that you've played recently that fit this sort of ludonarrative concept um, Sekiro is a really good example of that actually we're going to talk a bunch about From Software's games in a future episode and that's something we'll talk about in a little bit here I think just that is a good example of something I played recently where even the act of dying in the game I think all games let you die there's always like a fail state and when this game acknowledges that you're dead there is a whole narrative structure to dying in this world and there's a whole lore and mythology to what dying means so the game is like constantly flexing in on itself and saying we acknowledge you died and this has an impact on the world and not just you as a player and you get a game over screen and the world is constantly aware of the death going on and how it's it's more than just a binary state uh, there's all the, the story about resurrection and this disease that's going on within the world so there's you know without getting too much into that game any further we'll save that for another time but that's a really good example of the opposite effect of that games that do that it's not that i just wholesale like games that do that because they do that but i tend to look at the list of games that over the years have really pulled me in 
they tend to not just have systems that are like arbitrarily stitched onto stories. They tend to go together really, really well. Kentucky Route Zero is another example of that. You know, a game about learning about yourself on the road and you're traveling on the road is what you do in the game. And there's like this back and forth all the time. So I think that very generally sums up the kinds of games I'm attracted to. So are there any specific game mechanics that you're fond of or ones that you find yourself gravitating towards? Choice is is a real huge part of it and not just narrative choice um, or like character creation choice, but choice in how you approach things. Sometimes games are very, they very much subscribe to you what you have to do in the order you have to do them in. But uh-huh. I think that's why I really like class-based games. Like I never liked shooters really. And then I played Team Fortress 2 and I really liked that game because it really gives you foils and choices for you can pick this character and they have obvious cons and pros. You can pick these like weapon loadouts and they obviously have, you know, benefits and sacrifices. And I like when a game is asking you to make bad choices at the same time as good ones so that there's some sort of challenge involved and you have to think strategically And I like that they sometimes frame that within a world narratively, like you are this role and you are this character and this character is good at these things and bad at these other things. And you have to embrace those strengths and weaknesses. So I really like class-based games in general. And uh, so I think that's also why RPGs have always attracted me as well. Um, And then on the opposite end of it, very, very much Twitch-based games, maybe not fighting games, but two games that come to mind are Guacamelee and Hyper Light Drifter both of which are really hard games. Um, you know, obviously I love the Crash Bandicoot series. Uh, you can hear more about that in uh, previous episodes. And then, you know, Guacamelee has got so many good platforming elements, but really good intricate fighting elements. And Hyper Light Drifter is just a game that I played recently that's always been, it's stuck with me and I didn't think it would. I think in a similar way that a lot of From Software games stick with people for its mystique its sense of loneliness and also just how rich the world is built and then how richly the game mechanics were thought through. I think that some of those games, they get their teeth into me and they're like, come for the world, but stay for the activities you do within it. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of a, all the things that have I've been really into lately. I think like uh, Guacamelee particularly is a, is a rock solid example of, what did you call it? Ludo? Ludo narrative. Harmony or dissonance? Ludo, Ludo narrative harmony. Yeah, I think that yeah. game is a really good example of. You kind of you got me into that game, and I remember even just seeing it for the first time. It just oozed style, and um, it was a game that knew exactly what it was trying to accomplish. And uh, you know, from start to finish, I just thought that game was story. The story it was trying to tell and the art direction, just everything clicked. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, you know, the rest of the games that you were talking about with regards to player player choice, I would say I would agree. I would agree with that. Although I, for me, I tend to lean pretty heavily on like choose your own adventure kind of stuff with totally the sort of fantasy prompts and stuff like that, like Baldur's Gate and Final Fantasy. And yeah, yeah. it seems like we do have a lot of intersections, even mm-hmm. though, you know, I would say our list of favorite games wouldn't be the exact same. No. Yeah, I think we'd have maybe like maybe one shared game, but I feel like our top fives, which we'll eventually do that one day, would be very different. But I think we'd the games would be on there for similar reasons, is my yeah, my I suspicion. Um, over the years I've, you know, I've kind of had like a in and out sort of relationship with gaming. Um, you know, I stopped buying consoles probably around I would say like my last console. The GameCube was maybe? GameCube, yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. I think the GameCube yeah. 
um, which is kind of people probably might hear that and be like, whoa. Um, but I did switch to computer gaming and, um, you know, I kind of have roots in computer gaming. Uh, I used to do a lot of play a lot of the Black Isle, Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Planescape Torment, mm-hmm. uh, Icewind Dale, all those games. And, uh, you know, even some Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight. And uh, there's a lot of games I, I really I love on the PC. Um, but I find it a very uh, efficient system just because, you know, you're paying a lot up front, but you pretty much have access to like every single game on every single system more or less. Some exceptions, but I know for a while you you had really not played console games for a long time. And it's it's kind of fun to see you on a PlayStation again we get to talk about some similar games oh i'm glad to be back i mean just the first two experiences with spider-man and bloodborne were just incredible and i was like i couldn't have got this on a pc Mm -hmm. and yeah that alone was worth the purchase of the system good Uh, to be back man it's good to be back yeah so i think um uh, I'll probably this next thing I'll say I'll probably just edit in earlier because I realized I kind of skipped over it. I was going to explain like what you're going to do as a co-host, <laughs> and I don't think I really <laughs> did. I was like, "You're co-host, welcome." Okay, let's talk about. Yeah, this. please do because I don't even know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I think on top of just the regular co-hosting and just adding a consistent second voice to the show, uh, there's also general programming. What kind of topics we want to talk about? When do we want to talk about them? Um, sometimes maybe even taking on hosting duties yourself if we want to talk about something but i don't need to be there or i'm not the best person to talk with about it or i'm not available um that would be nice i would like that um but uh (laughs) you know there's just a whole slew of things that come with um doing a podcast that are great and also really challenging and i guess that's sort of what we can talk about next so as you guys know, our current format where we take a deep dive onto, you know, a specific game and sort of plumb that game for, you know, its artistic merits and content, its play styles, sort of break each game down into its component parts and analyze them. But, um, you know, as we're going along, we're recognizing that we can't play every game and we can't be experts on every game. And a lot of times it's hard for us to sort of, you know, have multiple people who, who have played the games and can go equally deep on the same game at the same time. Um, You know, and as the sort of list dwindles down to the games that we've played together or recently, you know, we have to sort of broaden our our perspective on how we want to do these podcast episodes. So we're looking to expand the format a bit and think about ways in which we can do that. So we're thinking maybe, you know, we take a deep dive onto a specific gaming studio, maybe with notable franchises or explore a famous series and how it's evolved over the course of uh, its lifespan. Or even maybe looking at you know specific consoles or generations of consoles, um, even console wars, maybe examining those in depth, um, and possibly even taking a look into different genres of gaming and exploring you know how those genres have evolved and changed over time, or you know the sort of notable entries in those genres over the years. Uh, like you said, you could say there are as many interesting things to say about say the Nintendo sixty four. And what that did for gaming hardware and the way we play games today or the evolution of even the DualShock controller that maybe gets in the weeds. But there's probably so many interesting stories about how those things evolved from the creator's perspective and how it changed in our perception culturally and how it shaped things as they are today in video games. There are just as many interesting conversations to be had about that sort of stuff as there is Resident Evil 2 remake (laughs) 
so it's like, you know, and I think those are things that everyone's played a PlayStation at some point. Everyone's played a, a Nintendo system. Um, everyone remembers those rivalries of like Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, Sega, Sony, all that kind of stuff. So like how games mean so many things differently to so many people. And also we are planning on doing seasonal episodes from time to time. Mm-hmm. So last year we did a winter episode where Andy took fan requests for favorite snow levels, just kind of took uh, player stories and recanted them. And people seem to respond very well to that. So uh, I believe this year we're thinking about possibly doing a Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Um, spooky levels. Where, <laughs> yeah, spooky levels or scary games or whatever else yeah. comes bump in the night. And still obviously do the deep dives. Uh, that One of those will, will definitely be coming up. Um, but just different kinds of deep dives, I guess. Uh, still looking to hit the same quality, the same kind of thoughtfulness, uh, the same kind of introspection on everything, but just trying to find a way to be, you know, also make it fun for us and just give different flavors of things to, to put out there. And with all that, I figured it would be nice to have someone to bounce all those ideas off of, put all that stuff together, because it's a lot of work to do this. Yeah, so. I am more than happy to bear some of the burden and do what I can to make the show uh, as excellent as it, as it has been. So yeah, I really appreciate it. I mean, you're Alex, you're you're a very thoughtful, smart person. And I think whenever we talk about video games, that ability to deconstruct a piece of art, as you would any other thing, uh, it comes through really, really strongly with video games. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of history to this stuff, too, that we've lived through. You know, we lived through, like, the boon of video games, so we know it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. For and, sure. we, and we don't always have to be the experts, right? This is something that we kind of landed on, too, is that we really picked games that we felt very were very personal to us and very special to us. And we really wanted to bring a lot of um, thoughtfulness and, and, and insight into. And there are games that we don't know a ton about, but we know people who love those games. It's also an opportunity for us to learn about things that we didn't really dive into when, we had, when, when they were really popular and really relevant, but still mean as much to other people that we know. So... I think in the spirit of like this being about friends getting together and sharing stuff that means a lot to them. Um, yeah. We just also want to bring other people on and, and let them kind of drive the conversation and like pull out of them. What's so cool about it? Like, why do you still care about this? So, yes. You know, we can't promise that we have played every single game that we're going to talk about, but we can promise that if we haven't, then either somebody we, we know have, has or we have researched that game into the ground and we are here to provide you with the information that you need that you need and you're gonna get it yeah we, so, what is it uh what are you buying what you buy what do you what are you buying what you said what are you selling <laughs> he opens up his trench coat like looking back on Podcast, that bud <laughs> want to buy some you just got a tape recorder got five episodes of screen looking right here <laughs> um, oh jeez! so <laughs> real quickly we're off to uh, a great start <laughs> we just lost five listeners all subscribers have uh <laughs> all if you're looking for the unsubscribe button at this point uh it's just right above your finger just just <laughs> give it a little tap and no i'm just kidding yeah um no i i definitely have gotten a lot of kind words um about the show since i started it and it's been nice to see people leave comments or reach out. 
If you like the show, share it with somebody, uh, have those conversations as well with other people, leave a review, um, leave some ratings. Uh, it's a great way for us to get up in the ranks on these different podcasting networks and aggregates. Uh, so yeah, uh, keep doing that. We really appreciate it. Um, trying to build a small community slowly here and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Well, thanks again. And, uh, looking forward to the future episodes. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to have you back. Um, and you can never Every leave. Every episode. If there's one thing I uh, I learned, it's that it's dangerous to go alone. So, <laughs> oh my god. That All right. Reference. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> How many uh, gamer puns can I insert into this episode? Mm, I think you can put a few more in. As many or as necessary. music that you're hearing right now and at the beginning of today's episode is by Mono Memory, an 80s-inspired synthwave producer based in Edinburgh. The song is called Crystal Beach, and it can be found on their Bandcamp page, which there is a direct link to in the show notes. Thanks again to Alex Koval for joining me as my co-host, and thanks to you for tuning in. If you're on Twitch or Twitter, you can find us on both of those networks at ScreenLooking. Again, I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar, and you'll be hearing from us again soon. But until then, take care and happy gaming.